Father, we pray that you would give us a real, real spiritual clarity so that that song that we've just sung would be true. We're not undone very often because I think sometimes we don't think we need undoing. We don't really properly see you the way that you are and who you are. And sometimes, Lord, it only comes about by your divine ordination that we do. We know there's coming a day in which we will, we will see and in which, as the first song we sang said, all creatures of our God and King will see. And all creatures of our God and King will bow down and confess that Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. There will be no, there will be no doubt. There will be no hiding the undoing on that day. But we, Lord, do desire to see you, to see your glory, to enjoy you. Give us, give us eyesight and wisdom to see tonight. Lord, I know that this is a well-known passage to many of us, but may the, may the familiar not breed laziness. May we again be caught in awe and wonder of what it is that Christ is doing as he speaks with the woman at the well. And we see what he does in her and to her, and then how she is used by you to bring others to confession of Christ. And may we, Lord, desire and be used in that same way. So we pray, Lord, that you would help us, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart and mind to understand the truth of your word tonight. We pray these things in Jesus' name, for his glory, for our good. Amen. Well, John chapter 4, we'll be finishing Jesus' interaction with the woman at the well tonight, verses 27 through 42 is where we're going to be tonight. Um, just to kind of catch us up and remind us of what it is that we've seen in John chapter 4 and his discussion with the woman at the well is um, he's standing in a place with the woman in the well that's really rich with Old Testament history. Um, he's standing in the place where co upon coming out of their wandering in the wilderness and about to enter into the promised land, Israel was standing between two mountains, Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. And on Mount Gerizim were the pronouncements of the blessings of God, and Mount on, e on Mount Ebal were the pronouncements of the curses of God. And the, as the people were coming into the promised land, it was as if this was the place of decision. Who were they going to worship as they came into the land? The land was already done and prepared for them. Houses they didn't build, vineyards they didn't plant, orchards they didn't plant, all of these things. It was like a pre-made, ready, move-in, not house, country. <laughs> like houses, lands, orchards, vineyards, a, a, a vast space. But there was a problem. There were people in the land that were already there, and they did not worship the true God. They did not worship the God that had delivered Israel out of Egypt. 
And they were there, and they were, and Israel was to be on their guard so that the idolatry, the idols of the people of the land did not steal God's worship away from him. And they're standing between. Jesus and the woman at the well are standing in between these two mountain ranges where it was like the point of decision for the nation of Israel. Who were they going to worship as they went into the land? And he's having a conversation with the woman at the well about worship. And so we saw that last time we were in the book of John. Jesus is standing at the well and he's using water in the well to make a spiritual application and to offer the woman living water, which is himself that comes from him. The waters of worship flow from Christ and they do two things to the person who drinks of them. They satisfy and they transform. Jesus is asking the woman to come to him so that she might be satisfied and so that she might be transformed. She herself would be, if she comes to him and drinks, she herself would not only receive living water, she would be, in essence, become a well of living water herself. And we see that that's indeed what happens in our passage tonight. So our message title for tonight is The Work of the Word. The Work of the Word. And we see how the Word brings a, a, like a meteoric impact upon the woman. The work of the word as Jesus speaks to his disciples. And then how that impact upon the woman brings an impact upon the town and what she's from. And how God uses this sinner to bring other sinners to him. Imagine that. And so there's much in this story for us to relate to and to find applicable for us as well. So John chapter 4, we'll begin in verse 27, and we'll read through verse 42 together and, and notice how the word works in the woman and in the disciples and in the people of the town. Verse 27. Uh, just then, actually, I'm going to start in verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then the disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left the water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months when then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that which, for that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony he told me all that I ever did. 
So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. It's incredible. Jesus, I mean, really the story is primarily revolving around his interaction with this woman, the impact that his ministry and his testimony, his words, his invitation to her have upon her, and then her going back to her town and her public testimony, her verbal testimony to the people that live in town, and then their response in coming to him. But kind of sandwiched in the middle there is this dialogue that Jesus has with his disciples, as if to say, what you see me doing, what I have done with this woman, you saw me speaking with this woman, you know you call her unclean because she's a Samaritan and because she's a woman, she's unclean in every single way. Someone can be unclean to you. Oh, and by the way, we're gonna stay here two more days. How do you feel about that? What you see me doing with her the spiritual words, the spiritual sight, the spiritual agenda, the spiritual goal that I have, this is how my disciples must see life. I need you to look up and open your eyes because the fields are ripe and I am drawing people to me. And as the woman is used to draw people to Christ, he will use his disciples to do the same. He, does, he uses us to do the same as well, wherever you are. My, my, I, I guess I would say this. My, my application, my encouragement right off the bat, take a look as to where you are in your life. Look up. Open your eyes. The fields are white. Because God is at work. We don't know when or how. We don't, know, we don't even know if. But I tell you what, the builder is building the house and the laborers do not labor in vain. So be encouraged. We want to look first at the way that the word works in the life of the woman. We see in verse 27 that the disciples marvel that he's talking to a woman. By his grace, he has approached the unclean, needy sinner and has freely offered to her what she needs. It is solely by his grace that he has engaged in conversation with this woman for the purpose of offering the needy sinner what they cannot provide for themselves, but that which he knows they need, and he offers it to her and invites her to partake of it. He has even asked her to do something that he knows she cannot do. Verse 17 of, la of the last time we looked at the text. Go bring your husband. I can't. I know you can't. Because you've had five husbands. And the man that you have now is not your husband. He asks her to do something that she cannot do. And he follows it up with an invitation to come to him. He has exposed her sinfulness. She cannot do what he is requiring for her, what he is requiring her to do. She cannot change and help what she has done or who she is. 
And I think, again, from this, we need to learn and see who Christ comes to save and who we should be offering the gospel to and how the gospel should be offered as a free gift to come. And those whom the Father has given to the Son will come of his working in their life. It says in verse 28 that the woman left her water jar and went away into the town. I think this is a verse that we shouldn't read past too quickly because it's significant. What, is she, what did she come there for? Water. What is the whole conversation regarding salvation uh, uh, um, language? What is it about? Water. What does she leave behind upon hearing the invitation to come to him and drink? Her old water jar. It's as if she's saying, I don't need this water. I no longer want this water. I have found better water, new water. And I need to go back into town and tell everyone else where the, wa- the type of water that I have found and, that, and where it can be found so that they might come and drink of the water as well. So le- she leaves her water jar behind and goes into the town and she and we're conf- and this is confirmed that she's had this impact upon her because she goes into town and verse 29 says come and see a man that told me all that I ever did everything that has everything that has been important he has defined me he has exposed me he has described me he hasn't gone through like every single event in her life since childbirth but in her mind She's been exposed, and he has said everything about her that needs to be said because he has said the most important thing about her. You are unclean, and yet I offer you living water. And so her testimony is quite simple. Come and see the man that told me all that I ever did, the man that told me the most important things about me as he exposed me. Can this man be the Christ? And I think to myself, is this... For those of us who are believers, as Jesus had exposed her for who she is, and at one point he exposed you and he exposed me, but does he continue to expose you? Do you continue to leave behind your old water jar and do you continue to come to him in his word and let his word speak to you and lay you bare and expose you so that he might heal you, conform you fully and completely to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the work of the word, is it not? Isn't the work of the word not only for our salvation but also for our sanctification? Doesn't the word continue to lay us bare and open us up? Do you, do you come to the word wanting that, desiring that, hoping that, asking for that? Lord, lay me bare before you and expose me and, and change. Um, search me, O God, and know me. See if there's any offensive way within me. Oh, do you pray that? Why would you not? Because you don't want to see what he sees, what's in there. But the believer should desire to be wholly conformed into Christ. And we see her transformation begin and how it makes an impact upon the people in the town. But more on that as we get to point number three. 
Point number one is the impact of the work of the Word upon the woman. Secondly, we see the impact of the Word upon the disciples. Verse 31 through 38, Jesus has his conversations with the disciples. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? He has this conversation with them, and they're just as, they're just as blind to the spiritual agenda and reality and mission that Christ has as Nicodemus was and, at the, and the woman at the well. They don't, they don't fully understand what it is that he's saying, their spiritual truths. They, 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 they understand some things, but they don't know all that there is yet to know. They're still growing. They're still learning to walk. They're still feeding, as it were. And so they don't understand completely what it is that Jesus has prioritized. But a disciple must prioritize their lives in the same way that Jesus prioritizes his life. The question is, are we? Is your life, would you, could you say that your life is truly prioritized along the same way as Jesus' life is, was, is, and how he wants it to be as he communicates that to us in his word? Do you see things the way that he calls his disciples to see things? To, to lift up and open your eyes and look around. Do you think spiritually minded, heavenly minded, eternally minded? Are the people that are around you that God has placed into your life there for you to minister spiritual truths to so that they might come to know Christ? I love what Jesus says in verse 34. Jesus said that they're worried about like, okay, has someone really brought this guy some food, something to eat, a cake of raisins or something like that? And he's like, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. I, think I thought about this in two ways. First, as, as he is exhibited with the woman for them to see, my work is to do the will of him who sent me. My desire is to come and to seek and save the lost. The healthy do not need a doctor. I have come to call the sick. The righteous do not need me. I've come to call the unrighteous. Those who see their hunger, their unrighteousness. You've seen, you just saw me talking with this woman here. My work, my food, is to do the work and the will of him who sent me. Jesus has had the goal and the desire to do the will of the Father. This is what my life is made up of, to do the will of God. Again, this should be convicting for us. Is that what your will is? Is that what your desire is? Is that what you wake up thinking about in the morning? I want to do God's will today. What are the things that occupy your time and your thinking? What's your work? What's your, what is your, your, your spiritual vocation? What are you here for? I, I, th I see, I was talking to Dan and Craig about this the other night. I see Unfortunately, we, I think we all know people and we go, what are you doing? You're wasting your life. And I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about believers, people that, that I know better. And I'm thinking to myself, what are you doing? 
our neighbor that lives around the corner from us. I just found out today he died two days ago. And me and my wife are like, we see this guy out walking his dog with his wife like every single day. I hadn't seen him a couple days. I'd been sick. I figure, who knows, maybe he's been sick. He died. There are people that are around us perishing. What is your work? Why are you here? What are we doing with our lives? No people that are just wasting their time. Assuming what? That today and tomorrow we'll go to this town and that town, we'll do this and we'll do that. And then after that, we'll go here and we'll go there. You don't know what your life is going to be. It's a vapor. And we just, we just piddle away the time. Wasting our lives for what? Jesus is telling his disciples, look up. Open up your eyes. Secondly, he's modeling that to his disciples. But, he also, but it's also if he's saying, my food is to do the will of him who sent me so that our food becomes he himself. His food, his sustenance is to do the will of God. He's, he is working righteousness out on our behalf so that our food is him. We don't work to fulfill our righteousness. We've seen that in Romans. That is not possible. The work of the believer is not to fulfill the righteous demands and requirements of God. The work of the believer is to feed upon Christ. Jesus would say later on in in chapter 6, verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give him for the life of the world is my flesh. You have to come and eat of me. This becomes a major point of tension in a couple chapters in the Gospel of John. But his food is to do the will of him who sent him to accomplish his work. Our food is he himself. And he nourishes us and sustains us. And therefore, he tells his disciples and encourages them to open up your eyes. Therefore, there are, do you not say there are yet four months? Then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for the harvest. The harvest is now. It's not in four months. It's not in four years. It's not in four days. The harvest is now. Open up your eyes and see what it is that God is doing. He is sowing. God is the one that is the sower of the seed. He is the one sowing and people are, the disciples are laboring. And there have been other people that have labored before them and there will be people that will come and labor after them. And we are simply laborers in the field to reap that which he has sown and which he is doing. We sow, we water, we plant. God brings forth the increase. It's his harvest crop. The believer, the disciple, sees themselves. The the ministry, the work of the Word is to transform the disciple from someone who's working in an earthly way and values earthly things to work in a spiritual way and values spiritual things. And then we see the impact of the Word upon the people in the town. Verses 39 through 42. We see how the waters of worship have flowed from Christ to the woman. 
And they have flooded the town through her, which returned back to him. She comes, she drinks, she's satisfied, she's filled, she becomes a well, she goes back to her town, testifies to the people, and the people come back out and return to him. And it says in verse 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. The, test, the transforming testimony of the believer can have a powerful impact upon people. I know we don't want to make our salvation story. It's not about us. It's, you know what? You can tell your story and not make it about you. You can tell your testimony and not make it about you. It can be about God because that's what hers was, right? Her testimony was, he told, he, he told me all that I ever did. He spoke to me. He changed me. And so she gives the testimony the Samaritans came to him and they asked him to stay with him and he stayed there two more days. How do you think the disciples felt about being immersed among the unclean for two whole days? They were probably couldn't wait to get out of there. This is like firsthand training. I told you guys, I just told you what your life is supposed to be about. Now I'm going to plunge you in the midst of a people that you just, your skin crawls and being around them. You, you cannot stand. I'm talking about the fact that the Jews could not stand the Samaritans. And so what does he do? We're staying for two more days. You're going to live with them and you're going to sleep among them. You're going to live among them. And guess what? Get used to it because this is what the rest of the life of a disciple looks like. Living among the unclean, sleeping among the unclean, eating among the unclean. Why? So that the, we might win the unclean to Christ and to invite the unclean to come and drink. This is the life of a Christian. Not to flee the world and the unclean, and to build a little commune, and for all the, the believers to be gathered together and just around other believers, but to believe, for the believers to be cast and spread out in the world to win people for the kingdom of God and to tell them of what Christ has done and who he is. But this is what's incredible, right? Many more believed because of his word. As his word goes out through her, as his word goes out through you and through me, and his word, it's interesting, his word does what? Returns back to him. But in this instance, it's in the form of a crowd of people. The woman has been satisfied, she has drank, she has taken the word out to her town, and the word has come back and brought the people with her back to him. And their testimony, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. We have heard, with our, we have heard for ourselves and we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. What is required for salvation? Personal, spiritual sight of Christ. And God uses his people to go out, to bring people to come and see. And they believe that testimony. But then they come and they see Christ and they're no longer hanging upon your testimony. I appreciate your testimony. Thank you very much. But 
now I see him. And he's, my, he's the one that I want. He's the one that gives me this eternal water that's satisfied. That this eternal water that transforms me into a well of living water too. I think of um, Job's confession in Job 42. The, after the Lord rebukes him, the Lord an- Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no no purpose of yours can be thwarted. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. When people see Christ, that's the goal of, that was what the woman did. That's what the disciples are to do. That's what we are to do, to bring people to see Christ. And he'll do the rest. But that's our goal, and that's the work of the word, as we keep in mind that salvation comes to the unclean. So a few points of, I think, application consideration here. Number one, do you still drink to be satisfied? Do you still come to him and drink to be satisfied? Or have you lost your taste for drinking of him because You've acquired a taste for the world. And you're satisfied with things of the world. Possessions of the world, ideas of the world. A vision and picture of what a better life could be for you that the world is just trying to sell you. Are you satisfied with him? And secondly, are you a well? running with spiritual water, calling people to Christ, the one who can give life to them and who offers it to them to come and drink. Are you satisfied in him? And are you calling people to come and be satisfied in him? This is the role, this is what Jesus did for the woman at the well, this is what he instructs his disciples to do, and this is what he calls for us to do as well. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the work of your word. We're all living testimonies of the fact that your word has worked within us in such a a deep way that you've satisfied us and transformed us. Help us, Lord, because we're so easily distracted. There are so many There are so many scheduling things that are in our lives. There are so many events, things to do, places to be, people to see, people to to talk to, things to accomplish. But in all of them, Lord, do we consider the fact that perhaps you have put us there among those things to, with spiritual eyes, to speak of eternal and divine things to those who are around us. Lord, forgive us when we are blind. Forgive us when we are too satisfied with things of the world. Help us, Lord, to have a, an appetite, a, um, a desire to drink of you and that we would come to you every day. And come to you in the word, come to you in prayer. And that we would drink and be satisfied and continue to be transformed to be used by you. 
Thank you for tonight, Lord, as we realize and we remember the grace that is ours to have Christ, to be in Christ, and to make much of Christ in our lives. And we pray that you would help us to do that now. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.